Hello, welcome to True Hoop with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic, my friend. How are you? I'm good. We are this season, man. We are winding down, and all these games are mattering. They have got issues. People crying at refs, saying they want to have protests to wins. I'm like, what even happens? Even if they protest, you're not going to get the W. Like you still lost anyway. Yeah, um, it is what it is. <laughs> but we'll, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. Um, first. I want to start with the Paul George injury. I did watch it because I didn't watch that game live, but I went back and saw it. Uh, obviously, he collided with Lou Dort um, on the landing, and it looks like the knee got extended out in an unnatural way when you when you watch it. Um, luckily, they're saying it's a sprain, uh, no severe ligament damage. But when you sprain your knee, you I mean, lig- ligaments do get damaged, but not in a severe, severe way. It's just a matter of the grade on the sprain. Um, he's certainly going to be out the rest of the regular season. That's going to obviously impact the Clippers because they are right now fourth in the Western Conference. Uh, we'll see if they're able to hold on to that spot. Kawhi's playing, but they were playing well with both those guys. And, you know, this time of the year, guys are exhausted. Things happen. I mean, this wasn't a non-contact. It was contact. But this is the time of the year now where injuries, especially in a parity-driven league like we are right now, you're missing a key guy for any stretch of time, and it's going to be really difficult to overcome. It's probably the case, yeah. It's probably the case where their their season is curtains in terms of having a chance to win a championship. Could they be spunky in round one? Maybe. If they can get through round one and he's back, mm-hmm. he should be able to get his rhythm going in, in round two. But um, you know, they're they've not they've not been they've not been a great team for long. Maybe maybe not at all. Good, mm-hmm. not great. It's probably oh, over the last 10 games. Yeah, it's problematic. For, right, exactly. So uh, they were my pick to win the West. I don't, I don't, I don't know who to pick now, but um, <laughs> I can't pick a clipless Paul George. And, and just because no. they claim reevaluating with two weeks doesn't mean he'll be back in two weeks for well, sure. And that's the thing that fans, when you hear that, yeah. when any, any team says, oh, we're going to reevaluate in yeah. two, two or that three weeks, that doesn't mean they're playing right off the jump. Yeah. What it means is we're going to check to see where we are with the injury. If everything is perfect, they're still not playing that day. They got to ramp themselves yeah. back up into shape to be able to play. So you're at least a month out when you talk about two weeks, I would, right? I would guess the earliest we'd see him is like April you know, 17th, something around there. So that's game three or game four of the postseason. And for the Clippers, you could be down 0-2 at that point. Shit. Yeah. Or and are, they, are they guaranteed not to be in the play-in? No, they're not. Right. They are certainly not guaranteed to be in the plan. Right now, the Clippers are 38 and 35. They are um, only a game and a half ahead of the Timberwolves, uh, who are in seventh place right now. The Timberwolves, by the way, who just got back Carl Anthony Towns. Um, who looked good we'll last get night. To that. Who looked good last night. So, I mean, look, this it's going to be so important in the West if you get yourself into that top six. You don't have to worry about the plan. And if you get that top four seed, that fourth seed, and you can get home court advantage, oh, my God. Huge, because right. it, so, who the hell knows? So in, in Paul George's case, Gerard, it could be very well be the case where he returns, let's say, April 17, and the Clippers are in the Bahamas. <laughs> True, yeah. Okay. Yep. This is this is what I mean about curtains for the season. <laughs> if you, so, uh, and I'm sure, if, let's say if that is the case, and they're down 0-2 or down 0-3, I mean, at that point, why even bother bringing them back for one game, right? Yeah. It's like, probably not going to win anyway, right? Like, I mean, so... Yeah, it's timing of this stuff is really unfortunate, yeah. but we'll we'll monitor that situation. 
All right, David, last night, um, a very important game in the West, Mavericks um, and the Golden State Warriors. Golden State wins 127 to 125. This is wild. A wild game. Uh, In the third quarter, the referee, after a play, signaled Warriors ball and Warriors timeout. All right. They go to the, everybody goes to their sideline, does their thing, blah, blah, whatever. They come back, and apparently during that holdover period, the in, in arena announcer said Mavericks ball, right? So, uh, okay, sure. That's what you said. Uh, that's what was, that's what everybody heard. So the Mavericks come back out and they look like they are, <laughs> I don't even know what they look like. They're nowhere near the Warriors basket. They look like they're about to get the ball and do their own thing. Meanwhile, the Warriors are like, well, they're not going to guard us. So they get the ball because the referee gives the ball back to the Warriors. They score a layup and the Mavericks are looking around dumbfounded like, what the hell happened? I thought it was our ball. Now, Mark Cuban went, no, he actually, nothing stopped the game, but he went to the scorer's table. I, yeah, I want to talk about that too. <laughs> which, you know, listen, that's, that's very up. much bil- billionaire privilege that's and I'm doing bullshit. what the fuck I Escort want. Escort his ass out of the arena. Which, and which I like bullshit. Mark. I'm friends with Mark. You which can't have that. You can't have can't, that. Can't have him it was like that. It was that's... like the Russian guy coming down in the Olympics and, <laughs> yeah. and, and saying, no, no, stop the clock. The referee's right. here. It was some dude in the stands did. Yeah. Exactly. So that, that was wrong. So they, they filed the they filed a uh, protest against the league saying that the ref cheated them. And Mark said, well, you know, I think it's such a crucial thing in a two-point game. And I hate when that happens because people like to do that cause and effect thing. Oh, well, they lost by two. If they had these two points, that happened in the third quarter. A million things happened after that that you could have won the game and you didn't. You didn't lose the game because of this one particular play. It was a weird play. I admit it seems strange. And that gets into a whole other topic about what the in-arena announcer says. And by the way, the in-arena announcer doesn't just make shit up. They say whatever the official tells them is is what's happening. The official was wrong. Shit happens, whatever. But that ain't why you guys lost the game. Okay. uh, I I actually can talk expertly about this play. Because I used to do something nefarious when I was a (laughs) high school coach. I don't know if I ever told you this before. I I was a fucking shark, man. I didn't cheat. I didn't cheat. But I was, well... Sometimes I cheated, but only you, you, only you, at you, camps. You push the rules. I you could push rig them up the, to their in, limit. in camps. I would rig some drafts <laughs> to make sure my team was loaded. But in this case, way long, long before you were probably watching college uh, college <laughs> basketball, Memphis State, which is now Memphis, but Memphis State had a coach named Dana Kirk, who ultimately mm, yeah, I think he course. passed, but he was a kind of famous guy. Also got in some trouble, and I saw him once at halftime. Ball out of bounds. This might have been even like the first year they got rid of the jump ball at half. I really don't remember. I just remember, you know, I was a middle school kid, high school kid, whatever. And he had his team take the ball out of bounds. But he had all of his players except for his guard lined up on the other side of the court that they had just defended before. and Or just shot at before. And the dumbass defense stood next to their guy man to man. And, and Dana's guy ran to the basket for the new half and got a layup. And I remembered that when I became a coach, you know, eight years later, or whatever. And so what I did, I mean, I it was an orchestrated Broadway show for me. Did I ever tell you this story? <laughs> no. I would have, if, if it was our ball at halftime, I would have uh, my four of my five starters go out about 30 seconds before. Because in high school, they have a clock winding yep. down. I'm sure they do in college and pros. They have a clock yep. winding down. And I mean, in high school, these guys want to go home. These coach, these referees want to go home. They worked all day. No one's making mm-hmm. a living coaching high school. Right. And um, so the second that thing went to zero, they're like, scoreboard guy, put the clock on eight. Let's go ball and bounds, right? 
So I would send my guys out 30 seconds to a minute left in the half. And we would, I'd have them line up on the side of the court. We shot at the first half. Mm-hmm. Okay. And normally the other team is trying to get last minute coaching in or they're just disorganized. It's high school. Right. And so these guys scurry out after they, cause they have to blow the buzzer. There's a buzzer mm-hmm. at the eight yep. minute to start the new eight minute clock. They come running on the court. And I would tell my guys, everyone start yelling. I hit him. You got him. Just make noise. Just make a, but just track people. Meanwhile, my most eloquent speaker each year, which is not easy to find when they're 15 and 16. Trust me, my kid, my son could not talk in 16, not in complete sentences anyway. He would, uh, I, I would say, you tell the referee, I would make him repeat this, Gerard. Uh, Mr. Referee, I know it's our ball going in that direction. And I know the rules state you have to point which way we're going one time. Please don't do it more than once. We know what we're doing. The referees don't care. These guys want to go home. Meanwhile, the other team is confused. We're right. talking, what matching up. We're, and so then we, we listen, I was a jerk. Not only would we immediately, my little guard, Timmy Walker, got a bunch of points this way. Little Timmy would race the court and get a layup. But meanwhile, our guys would run halfway down. We'd pick up a denial man. The other team didn't know what was going on. So very often we get the two points and then we get the turnover because they would get the five second call. Okay. So my point to you is this. If you tried to do it on me, and by the way, I was, I got to tell you this. I had a player named Jimmy Fortner, who's probably 54 years old now, or 53. Jimmy was a, we call him the Whopper, big, tall, white kid. He's a good player. He's like 6'5", coming off the bench for us on JV. We were very good. He, he, we did it to the same coach twice for a, a whole other reason. He was a jerk to me years, a year before. I don't forget that shit. We became good friends. But um, he, we did it a second time in the season. And Jimmy looked at me and says, Coach, I'm nauseous. I said, Jimmy, what's wrong? He's like, it's going to work again, isn't it? <laughs> I said, yeah, it is. Sit down. Shut up. So my point is, when you tried to do something like that to us, man, I was racing on the court. Wait a second. You said it was our ball. No one on the Mavs, Gerard, yeah. did anything. And Nothing. they were not standing out of bounds. Yeah. When you are a, an NBA player and you see the, the bad guys with a man out of bounds next to a referee and four dudes next to him, Someone should be doing something. Mm-hmm. Mark Cuban should have been screaming at Jason Kidd. I, now, the camera angle that I saw, you couldn't see Kidd. I have no idea what he was doing. But I do know one thing. The five Mavericks players on the court stood and watched. Did. Nobody did, did anything. That would be my issue. Mark Cuban, yell at your team. Yell at your coach. Yell at your coaching staff. Again, I didn't see what they did. All I know is I didn't see anyone. I would have been diving on the court. Give me a technical if you want. But but remember now in the video, the referee pointed Warrior's ball. I don't know what he mm-hmm. said. I know he pointed Warrior's ball. Sure and did. you know how I know that? Steve Kerr clapped. Yeah. Yeah. It's all on video. <laughs> that is a that is a group that was fast asleep at the wheel from A to Z, and you lost by two points, and you have no one to blame but yourselves. No, you're you're dead on that. They, if you see something that looks weird or strange, don't just like right. Like, what's the thing they say when you're like traveling? If you see something, say something. Say something. Yeah, don't just right, stand right. there like, oh, I don't know. Right. Like, I, I don't. I you know, I saw Luca do a little money thing. Like, yeah. Oh, and that was at the end of the game because yeah. he didn't get the foul call. Listen, we've talked about Luca. Luca cries right after every yeah. single time he gets to the rim. By the way. Look, I had plenty of free throw attempts in that game, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, he scored me, 30, didn't he? Yeah, he was, he was good. Went the line 10 times, scored 30 points. Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. 
like that's your it is what it is right no that was listen again that ain't why you lost there was a whole rest of the third and full fourth quarter for you to do better and you didn't so yeah. what can i say you were do ba- better mavericks you were fast asleep you deserve to lose and you know it's that kind of 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 play and lack of being organized how do you trust this team come postseason that you're I, I gonna don't. be why I know, I know you don't, I don't right like you just come on yeah so anyway they lost they are now uh below the warriors they are in seventh and uh and they're in the plane or eighth excuse me in the plane and it is what it is it's 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 really unfortunate and david you have an article coming out and this is important uh about crunch time execution now that wasn't crunch time that was in the third quarter right. but still it's no you know knowing shot time game these are things they teach you all good coaches teach you very early on in youth basketball by the time you're a pro you should be an expert at this kind of thing knowing what the time and score is where you are what's going on that lackadaisical like whatever and look i get it lapses have been long 82 game season but for you guys where you want to lock in a top six spot come on you can't you can't be having lapses like that i completely agree uh yeah so uh we we i was supposed to write about something else I, oh sweet 16 i was supposed to write mm-hmm. about the ncaa tournament guys i've liked yep and then i saw the mavericks coincidentally <laughs> um beat the lakers friday of last week so almost mm-hmm. a week ago on um up you know four with seconds to play and the mm-hmm. the lakers were and the mavericks won they were 90-plus percent chance to win, according to GameCast at ESPN. Uh, they won because uh, they, uh, the Lakers chose to double-team Kyrie, which was weird to me, knowing that a three-point shot uh, could hurt you. They got a steal out of it. Mm-hmm. So up four with the ball, 38 seconds left. You figure, right? And looking good for L.A., as I wrote, advantage L.A., big advantage L.A. D'Angelo Russell misses a wide-open three, whatever happens. They double Kyrie again, which I thought was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. AD is just asleep, getting down mm-hmm. the court, runs the middle of the paint. Maxi Kleber's at the top of the key. He's not shooting well from three this year, not shooting well lately, but he's in the game and he knows he's, you know, he's a three-point shooter. They throw it to Kleber. He races out there, and I'm telling you, it would rank as a top 10 sack in the NFL <laughs> for the way he tackled Kleber. <laughs> Kleber gets three free throws. It's now a one-point game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the next time down, um, after what, what, you know, I think they make oh AD gets fouled, makes a free throw, mm-hmm. whatever, and um, he falls asleep again. AD is in the middle of the paint. Mm-hmm. He's helping on Kyrie that has two guys yeah. already on him. Already on him. Yep. Yep. They throw it to Maxi Kleber. He's four steps away from Maxi Kleber. Needed to be two. Kleber is tall. He gets it over AD. They hit a three. They win the game. Yeah, they win the game. It was terrible. Terrible execution. Just fast asleep on defense. And so I have a, I, you know, in a, there, I can make an argument that it doesn't matter that the league has got more parity now than before, that there may not be any more clutch games in terms of close games. There were only 11 games decided by, I think, four points or less. I looked it up last year in all the postseason. 11. Mm-hmm. Um, between the two, the team, the two, two teams that went to the finals anyway. Yep. So I didn't look at every single game, but for those two teams, they played in a combined 11 games that had real clutch minutes. Right. Um, I, maybe, maybe there'll be more of that because the team's more even, maybe there won't be. If there are, again, these me, these meaningful minutes me need mindful 
players. And it's not just the superstars that need to pay attention because the reality is if you do a good job defensively and you take away what a team wants to do most, which is get good mm-hmm. shots for their good players, well, that means necessarily someone else has to make shots and maybe they won't be quite the same kind. What, what Milwaukee did with Grant Williams, mm-hmm. with make him shoot all those threes, whatever. That was a choice that they made. I have lots of GIFs in there. In fact, we're going to start doing more of these to where I can tell stories through GIFs. Yep. You have to be, I mean, there's no other way to say it. You've got to really be alive in the moment. And, and I don't think that's something our teams are doing well. I don't think our coaches are very good at this. I don't think our players, I think they're baked. Uh, I, I picked a number of GIFs from last postseason, like a Drew Holiday one where he blatantly fouled Marcus Smart shooting a three, up three, with three seconds to go. And the refs somehow only gave Smart two free throws. Huge mistake. But either way, Drew shouldn't have done that. And he's Drew Holiday. This was AD. Uh, Tatum had no points in, in a Boston game against Utah the other day in the fourth quarter. We, we, if you want to win a series, execute better down the stretch. Doesn't mean you'll win because you'll have to make right. the shot. Yeah. I don't look at execution as making the shot. I look at it getting the quality of the shot right. or quality the quality of the defense, mm-hmm. forcing a tough shot. Um, if they hit a bad shot, so be it. But it's something I'm going to be watching a lot going forward, that the, the lack of execution is, in, me, in my eyes, quite alarming. And so how much of it is coaching, which I'm sure there's some of it, and how much of it is this is now game 77, whatever we're at, these dudes are exhausted physically and mentally, and when you're tired in your brain, you're going to make physical this, errors all the time. This is exactly my contention. Um, I said to Henry about it, I think that our guys are exhausted. And I think by the time they get to the postseason, there's a whole yeah. other level of exhaustion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just we play too many games. I, I, really, I really think, and I'll, I'll stop at this because I know we've talked about this a lot. I'd like to see a one-year run. Let's just see if we play less games, mm-hmm. our injuries, our quality of play. We have, mm-hmm. we have all these computers marking games. We let's, can easily track it. Let's track easily. it, and easily. let's see how the ratings are. Mm-hmm. One year, make mm-hmm. a deal. But they won't do it, but that's what I'd like to see. No, well, again, and I will not belabor the point because we've done that a million hours on this on this show, but I'm with you, David. Like, it's just, I, look, I don't know because it hasn't happened, but I would be shocked that if you went down to playing maximum two times over, over a seven-day period, that the quality of play wouldn't be better and injuries would, would, wouldn't, wouldn't uh, be decreased as well, particularly non-contact injuries. Not because you can't help contact. That happens. Yeah. It's a contact sport. But non-contact, I am almost positive they'd be down for sure well, contact would be down too because you're playing less there's less contact in less games um also true. i i i uh, i guess i'm not done on this subject <laughs> i i yes i agree two games a week or i think it'd be interesting to go five every two weeks mm. so compromise a little bit five mm-hmm. every two weeks let's let's start a little let's start october 1st mm-hmm. let's play till june and let's go five every two weeks. Someone do the math five, yeah, and just do the math and see what, what how many we can get, and then let's just see where we're at. The the, the um, Premier League plays from August until May. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. We can elongate our seasons. I know why yeah. they don't want to. They're afraid of the big bad NFL. Of course, yeah. Fuck the NFL. <laughs> That's what, right. Well, you know how we feel about yeah. that. Stop running scared. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Oh, man. Uh, so more coaches, David. Angry at officials. Monty Williams very upset um, after yesterday's game. An important game for the Suns. They lost to the Lakers. 
Um, and in that game, the free throw discrepancy was pretty alarming for, for Monty Williams. The Lakers had 40 free throw attempts and the Suns had only 26. Um, you know, or excuse me, 46 for the Lakers, 20 for the Suns, my bad. Uh, Lakers won 122-111. And, you know, this comes on the heels of Monty about a week ago or so, maybe two weeks ago, complaining about Giannis getting almost 20 free throw attempts by himself uh, more than the entire um, Suns team. And look, I, I know coaches get frustrated with this. That's one of the, because, you know, you, we've done this enough times, David, where you're in a post game with a coach. When they're looking at the box score, that's one of the first things they look at. What's the free throw discrepancy? Oh, why do they only have whatever? And part of it is for Phoenix. And granted, Durant and, and Aiton were not playing last night. Right. You are the self-proclaimed midi-god team, right? This is what your team does. You excel in the mid-range. Well, you know what you're doing when you're shooting a lot of mid-range jumpers? You ain't getting to the rim. Oh, that's why the Clippers you know don't shoot free throws ever. You know where you know where free throws get and fouls get called? At the rim, often, right? And so when you don't have enough – and yes, Devin Booker does go to the rim, and he went to the free throw line 13 times last night. Hey, really? Uh, he, went, he went a ton last night. Um, 12. So, yeah. So he got his, but everybody else who plays, they're not really guys who get to the rim. But I know what Monty's doing. He's obviously planting Pumping a seed. him up for the postseason. Exactly. To be like, hey, man, we got to get some calls here, too. And I totally understand what he's saying, but we don't want to get that. You know, I mean, these guys are pros. They shouldn't. But let that seep into your head and let that be an excuse or a reason why we can't play well because we're not getting foul calls. Yeah. You know, when when you're rolling – uh, and confident things just, you don't have to create other stuff. When you're not, you kind of got to create stuff. It's a distraction a little bit, and it, mm-hmm. maybe it gives you more of an edge. Like, yeah, if, if we were getting screwed by the refs, whatever. But at the end of the day, eh, Phoenix <laughs> is just kind of ho hum. Right. Yeah. You're, you're ho hum. And again, no Durant, no Aiton. But, you know, you, you've got to, and this could be Monty like, again saying, look, and he only answered one question and then he walked out of his press conference. So that's clearly a coach who's upset because, yeah. you know, losing games and trying to light a fire under his team. But as we just mentioned, at this time of the year, these guys are dead. <laughs> like, can we just get to the finish line, please? So we'll see how that all that all breaks down for them uh, going forward. We had some returns last night, David. Yeah. John Morant, uh, return for the Memphis. Did Christmas. you watch? Oh, I sure did. So his, <laughs> I, I don't know that I, I, I'm not going to, I'll let you finish your thought, but I have to say this now. <laughs> I don't know that I ever remember a return of a player who had two more spectacular first two baskets. Well, yes. A explosive layup and then a really impressive dunk. The kind of dunk where I did, I mean, normally I can, I see these things happening. I know yeah. it's going to happen. I didn't see it from that angle either. I was like, what the yeah, that's what I'm like. Whoa, whoa, what? I was watching Synergy this morning. Like, he dunked that? Yeah, that motherfucker can go. Woo-hoo! Oh and, and we knew, I mean, he's, he's, not been, he's not been recovering from a leg injury. Oh, correct. So his legs are like, hey, let's go. We can do this. Yeah, we're fine. We're feeling good. He, he, you know, he, he had a nice level. He was levitating, not for, man. Not for good reasons, but he had a sabbatical away from the team, yeah. right? Almost 15, 16. So quite, I mean, in the middle, in the end of the season, Yes, he's young, but everybody needs rest and recovery. That's a nice time to get that, get that time off ahead of the playoffs. Uh, he had 17 points, four rebounds, five assists. Those two amazing plays, David mentioned, a huge block uh, late in that game as well. Um, he looked good coming off the bench. And we talked ad nauseum, David, about, you know, words are what they are. It's going to be about actions, right? And we want to see how you learn and mature from 
the incidents that have happened. But I thought his post-game quote and uh, in, in his media availability were interesting. And he said he was excited just seeing how the fans reacted to me being back. It definitely helped me a lot. It made me feel good inside. I can't put it in words. I'm numb right now, but thankful for everybody. And I hope that because the crowd, I mean, Memphis crowd's always excellent at basketball. And if you've never been to a Memphis game and you can, I, I mean, I was lucky enough to go last year for the playoffs. It was incredible. Like, they love that team down there. And they love him. And the buzz, because he came off the bench when he got up to the scorer's table, was crazy. The crowd was going nuts. They were so happy. I hope that he's able to be aware enough of the moment and to take that in and realize that for what it is, right? And not the other way around, being, oh, no matter what I do, these people always got me, as opposed to being, wow, I really had a chance to lose all of this love and adulation from these people. I don't really want to do that. Let me continue to move forward and make it and, you know, and be the best version of myself. You know, that you just said something that really kind of hit me. Um, the, when, when, and I don't want to preach too much, but um, I've been in, I, I've spent a lot of time talking to young kids and many of them are black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of them are from I- incredibly challenging environments. And uh, I have to tell them, I, I can't guarantee that nothing bad will happen to you if you and none of your and none of your friends have a gun in your presence. But I can guarantee that no one will be involved in gunplay because there's no gun there. It's the same thing with alcohol and drugs. And I can't tell them when you're driving the speed limit, you won't right. get in a car accident. I can't control right. the other drivers. But right. if you are controlling your environment and none of you have a gun, there's no chance for a gun to be involved in anything to do with you that evening or that day, whatever. And so when you just said what you said, Gerard, and so in such perfect terms, um, that stuff's at risk. It, all that love, you know, Donald Trump said he could shoot someone at Fifth Adam and still be beloved. It's a bunch of bullshit because they're crazy. Who wants, who wants those kind of friends? That, that is not what happened with Ja. If he was involved in a crime involved with a gun, that level of incredible love and devotion for him would severely dissipate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's at risk. It's different if you get, I mean, if you got a DUI, none of that's happening. Right. Right. As long as you're surviving and no one dies, you're right. beloved to the core. Mm-hmm. And, and who wouldn't love, if you love basketball, like the way he plays. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's Iverson, there's Jordan, there's Westbrook, there's Rose. Like these are all former MVPs. You know, he's got that. Special, special he's just player. amazing. Um, and so I don't know what his issues are. I don't know. You know, I've read about, um, I've read about alcohol issues mm-hmm. and drinking. That was never my, I don't think he's playing games drunk. That's for sure. Right. Uh, it's, maybe it's a sign of stress. And so this was one of those outgrowths of that. That's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, yeah, I hope that, I don't trust the NBA. I, I don't trust any franchise. I hope that individuals have been mm-hmm. able to say to him what you just said, like, uh, you can't you can't guarantee anything, um, but we can guarantee that those things that we want to stay away from won't be in your life if you stay away from them, which greatly increases your odds of making five hundred million dollars in your career, mm-hmm. which is which is you know your great 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 granddaughter will go to college because of your talent and work generational ethic. wealth and generational your, yeah, wealth. Yeah. Forever. <laughs> Morantz will be mm-hmm. never worrying about anything because of your talent and work ethic. Let's get that mm-hmm. clear. And mm-hmm. spirit. 
Yep. Like you're a people love playing with you. Your teammates love you. They, they love him. You galvanize the room. And so you're lucky. You know, there, there's there's a lot of really famous celebrities in Hollywood that know how lucky they are. And they take advantage of that luck. There's also plenty of them that haven't, just like mm -hmm. there are plenty of athletes. You get to choose, Shaw. You get to choose. No doubt. And David, you know, when this was all going down prior to and the, the Grizzlies were playing poorly, I was worried about them, right? I said on this show, I was like, mm, not loving it. We'll get to top five later. A little, little preview. You do not um, have Memphis in there. Uh, listen, I, I'm not. I'm not just, I, 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 I don't want to hear it. All, all I'm going to say is they're now, the <laughs> they're now the two games up on Sacramento yeah. for the second seed yeah. in the Western Conference. Yeah. Is all I'm going to say. And I will say this about they're Memphis. They're two games um, up now on Sacramento? Now. Okay. Yes, yeah. they are. Yeah. They're two seed. Right? Um, Dylan Brooks, um, this is the thing now with these technical yeah. facts. He, he got his 18th. So now every other one he gets going forward, and that includes the playoffs. Every, going to every single one. Oh, it's everyone. Not even every no, no, other one. No, I'm okay. asking you. Oh. Every other one. So now it's 20, 22, 24. Correct. Got correct. It. So every time he gets another, every other technical, that's a one game suspension. Bro, at this time of the year, can, cannot afford you missing games. You saw what happened in the playoffs you, last you're year. You're not kicked you out games. of that game. You kicked out of the next game, right? The next game. Okay. Correct. I'm just clarifying. I don't, I yeah. don't know the rules. Okay. And that's problematic in a, in a seven game series, right? That is a big, big right. deal. Um, so he's got to be better about that. Um, sticking on Memphis, I will say this. You know, you're you're always you're often very prescient when it comes to your basketball yes. predictions. So I want to say maybe like I don't know, two and a half months ago, three months ago, you were like, Gerard, I know you're watching. Trip Trip's offense is coming. Yeah, David. I don't David, remember that, but David, sounds like me. He, if he can be what we both think he can be, which is he's already. In, I mean, he's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year. So we already know what he is. I, I think so too. If he is all NBA on the other side of the floor, well, that that and John Morant is the cornerstone of a team that contends for championships as long as they're healthy and together for the time that they are together in Memphis. And if, if he's a legit number two option, and actually he's been a number one option because John's been out. Right. They're like, we got to go to the post. Their half-court offense has been so suspect this year. We're like, Jaron, beat your matchup one-on-one. -on -one. Okay, <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> it is... Uh... You know, I'll, I'll never always be right. Not even close when it comes to player projection. There's so it's, it's hard. It's, it's really hard. There's so many variables. You hate to miss on the real talents. Um, but when I, yeah, I thought of, I watched him play the other day. I don't remember what he did. He was just scoring and and defending the perimeter. Like, and who who was it that was trying to score in a one on one out on the court? Yeah, and so he was just man. swallowing them. A very good player. Like, mm -hmm. are you kidding me? <laughs> like, you're trying that on me. And all I kept thinking is Tim Duncan 2.0, Tim Duncan 2.0. For, for sure. And, and for also, sure. best prospect in the draft over Luca. Yeah, yeah. I don't look as stupid as I once did. No, look, it, first of all, Luca has not won an MVP yet. Let's put that out there. He ain't winning it this year. Let's, let's, nope, that's nope, not happening. Right, right. I'm not saying yeah. Jaron's winning the no, MVP no, but anytime this, soon but this, But this Jaron Jackson next year? Correct. Right. Now we're talking. Like, like in other words, you might be the most important player on your team that has John Morant. Correct. Like, that is an MVP-level player. Well, yeah. and we said this, and this has been true all year. You know who leads the team in estimated plus-minus? It ain't John Morant. Yes. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. So, you know, listen, he, if he is that guy, which we all think he could be, look out for them. All right, we mentioned Luka Doncic was back in that game. He had 37-17 and 17 in a loss. Um... No Kyrie. Is he still dealing with that foot issue? 
Uh, but he is back for for them, so that's good signs for Dallas. Look, if they want to if they want to make the playoffs, they need both those guys playing, and they're going to outscore teams and score 130 points because they can't defend for shit. Um, Mem- um, Minnesota got Carl Anthony Towns back. He looked good last night. 22 game high plus 13. He looked fit. He was happy, mm-hmm. smiling mm-hmm. a lot. I watched. I watched a lot of his clips. Look, they went all in on this Rudy Gobert deal. We know. We know. We we all like Ant Man and what he can do. Ant Man. Cat and Ant and uh and Gobert, that should be enough for the core of a team that's pretty good and should be a tough outcome the postseason. Should so why they trade Angela Russell, who was playing so well? Listen, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm really gonna have to look at Minnesota at the end of the year for some decisions they've made, and and then Walker Kessler. We'll we'll mm-hmm. talk about awards later. He's not gonna be mm-hmm. rookie of the year. He's my runner up. No, he's my Ooh. third. I was going to say, I know he runs Jalen Williams for sure is number two, not <laughs> Matherin. Yeah. Matherin's not me, top three. So he, th- we're going to get to this player in a minute. Um, well, no, you know, I'll, I'll save it. I'll save it. <clears throat> no, it's, it's, it, it, it's all interesting. I, I'm, I'm with you there. Like there's, there's so many good young players in this league right now, but yeah, he, he's, he's, he's good. He's good. Do we need to take a break? We do need to take a commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a team that I'm really high on. This episode of True Hoop is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey guys, Gerard from True Hoop here. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do? It's a hell of a question. Would you maybe go for a run, take a nap, read a book, or maybe show up for a friend? Now, depending on the day, any one of those would be a great idea. Most of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Now, I've been open in the past with you guys about this. I see a personal therapist as well as a couple therapists for my partner and I, and both are extremely helpful in developing positive coping skills and learning how to set boundaries. Therapy empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TrueHoop today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TrueHoop. All right, David. Um, I've been high on this team all year because they have been literally top five in adjusted net rating all season long. They have not moved. I'll get to what their issues are in a minute, but I saw them. I mean, I watched them on TV, but I saw them up close uh, this week. Um, they're actually at a, not, not a home in a home series, but like a, they're in Brooklyn for a couple of days playing the Nets in a, sort of that, that home stance. They played Brooklyn on Tuesday. They play them again tonight. I love this Cleveland Cavaliers team. And I said, I'm watching them. I go, you know why I like them on press row? And like, people are like, oh, why are you so into these guys? I'm like, well, because they're really fucking good, number one. But they do. They have two things that I think matter when it comes down to postseason. They can guard, number one. And they have two guys who can get shots for themselves and for other people. Now, those two guys are small. And that is a problem when you're playing against long, rangy wing teams. And David's mentioned before, I worry about the Isaac Okoro spot, right? That that wing position, when you're going up against Tatum and Brown, that can kind of swallow up Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, although Donovan Mitchell is superb. He had, he had this dunk on, on amazing, Tuesday night against Watanabe. And I was like, amazing. oh my God, he's so yeah. good. But David, I just, I like this team. And I was thinking, 
you know, the, the vaunted warriors, the Steph Curry warriors that have gone to uh, six finals in eight years and won four titles. Before they went on that run, do you know how many playoff series that group won as a group? Was it one against Denver? One. Yeah. One playoff series. Yeah. Against Denver the, the year before. Yeah. With Mark Jackson as coach. And the year before that, they lost in the first round. So they didn't have any wealth of playoff experience and whatever. Now, granted, Steph Curry is a transcendent player and nobody on Cleveland is at that level. But still, why can't Cleveland make a run? Talk me out of why I'm crazy that Cleveland's not couldn't make a run to the conference finals. I'm not going to do that. Um, I have questions <laughs> about their depth. Um, I have real questions about their depth as well as their, their fifth starter. Uh, uh, I, I'm a big believer that role players matter not just stars. And so let's see how the role players do. I'm, you know, Mobley's in his second year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, 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 I think they have the best defense in the league this year, don't they? I think so. Yeah, man. They're still up top. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Number one. Yeah. So that, that plays. Uh, I, they've got to, like, that's why I wrote this article. Um, I think this is the year where really good fourth quarter execution can matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, Donovan and, Dar- and Darius can get good shots for themselves often and facilitate often. And that's what I think really matters. Uh, with those big guys inside, can they get easier shots at the rim and then also defend opponents easier, you know, less easy shots at the rim because of it, because they're there. All that kind of stuff matters. They just, the other teams are better in the East, but, you know, stuff happens. Like we've seen, you know, you're not going to hear me say it could only be three um, yet. Anyway, we'll see how the postseason develops, but it doesn't matter. Cleveland should be excited about this next five years. For sure. like they should be knocking on the door. Keep tweaking it up. Keep adding. I mean, Boston, in the last two years, they added Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon. Huge. No joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I like, I'm glad. I'm, Cleveland had a great run. I don't love their owner, whatever. And now <laughs> I think they've, they've kind of put it together again. I'm really happy for them. No, yeah, and I think the closing lineup, um, you put Karis LeVert out there, it gives you some size on the wing. I mean, you know, that's there, and he's got playoff experience like that. You know, I he's good. I'm I'm very curious to see what this team looks like under the stress test of the I, I want all four teams to make it to the like semifinals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really, in the West, yeah. it's such a crapshoot, but in the East, yeah, who knows? I, I, not to say that Miami wouldn't fuck somebody up, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm Jimmy not. Butler was so good last I'm night. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not ready to to tell you that. So it's really five teams, and that would that is that is that four versus five. Uh, four versus five right now in the East, I believe, is Brooklyn and Cleveland. I yeah, think. I think. Yeah, I thought Miami's going to pass up. Brooklyn though. Oh no, it's Cleveland, New York Knicks. That's the one. Yep, Cleveland Knicks is four or five right now. Miami beat New York last night. Yep, and and they're uh, so. Brooklyn and Miami are basically tied. Yeah. But I think Miami has a tiebreaker. So that would be Philly. Ooh, it'd be Philly, Miami. Man, you don't, that's so unfortunate. You don't want the heat in round one you and besides Jimmy Butler. Like, you don't. Not. Yeah. It's going to be a, <laughs> it's going to be a wild East. Yeah, we keep yeah. talking about it. I can't, I don't want to, I'm not, you know, at my age, <laughs> at my age, I'm not even kidding. I just, I, I don't want to look forward. People always say, are you excited about so and so? No. No. I'm just enjoying the moment right now. I, I, I don't want to speed anything up. Every day is precious to me. That dude, the actor, I don't watch The Wire, but the actor on The Wire died at Lance 60. Yes. I don't know how he died. Yes. Yeah. I really uh, hope it's something. Natural causes. Yeah, yeah. But it's natural at 60. That's scary. Well, I don't trust that. Maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's still not natural at 60. At 58, 
I'm I'm not thinking about tomorrow. I just want to focus on today. But in the back of my mind, that <laughs> you're like, I, I told my wife, and uh, I just I just don't see her very much tonight. These games are coming nonstop, and I said, you know, postseason starts soon. And she said, well, is that going to slow you down? I'm like, eh, not really. <laughs> yeah. Well, the good you're news like- is she'll be asleep, unfortunately. But after the East games are over, I may not watch the West as closely. Not as interested <laughs> in those teams. The East games are going to be battles. The first, so the first round of the playoffs, where they, you know, they do it TNT and they like 40 whatever games and have remained. I mean, it is a grind yeah. that first round of the playoffs because literally the games are every night and Dude, multiple games. I used to, when I first started <laughs> in the media with the Scout Sync with ESPN in 2007, I think, I had to do it up a report after every game. And then I had to do reports for the next round. And those so, West Coast games. Oh, it mm. was, it was, I mean, I never should have done it, especially for 45000 whatever they were paying me as a part-time guy back then. Um, that was a grind. Yeah, yeah. grind. For but sure. Yeah, but now I don't have to do that. I'll be watching. Yeah, we're just I, watching. And now. I think I'm going to do some GIF stories. Yeah. Um, like Zach Lowe does some things like that. Mm-hmm. Substack uh, have never allowed us to do as many as we can do now. So I think I could do some really cool stories after a lot of these games. And stay tuned, guys, because – We'll probably do some tactics during the playoffs because yeah. I think coach will see some really interesting things Hopefully. that teams do. Hopefully, right? Oh, the smart ones anyway. What kind of counters they can come up with? Like, oh, this is not working. Yeah. What can we do to solve this particular problem we have right now? Um, something near and dear to Coach Thorpe's heart is, of course, player development because that is what he does literally for a living. Uh, and you want to talk about Malik Monk, who's on the Kings, someone who, you know, came out of Kentucky, was cl- clearly got talent. Let's also be clear for yeah. fans. Everyone in the NBA has talent, or else you're not going to make it in this league. Yeah. It's just, everyone can play basketball. But for 99.9% of people, coaching, situate, there's so many factors that go into can you be good and realize your full potential. Most people don't because, as David often mentions, teams suck, coaches suck. Yeah. And sometimes, also on the player, too, yep. they don't work hard enough right. to make shit happen. Or they're playing the wrong position, wrong strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Malik Monk is having a career year in assists. Like he no everyone thought he was a black hole shooter. He's he's doing well. I think uh, I think he's over seven per forty now. The NBA does it per forty. Um oh well they do a lot. I think it was ESPN has it per forty. Yeah, they do. It's ESPN's stats. Um you know, he's improved defensively this year. He was he was good last year too, but this after three years in the league, people thought, yeah, I, I always think about this. I've said this before probably on the show, the the great quote from Men in Black, where Will Smith sees those crickets smoking cigarettes the first time. And Tommy Lee Jones sits him down in a park somewhere. You would know where in New York City. I don't remember where it is. Some famous spot. And he said, uh, you know, like 500 years ago, everyone just knew uh, this, the, the, everything revolved around the earth. And 100 years ago, everyone just knew the world was flat. He said, five minutes ago, you just knew we were alone in this universe. Imagine what we'll know tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I, I, I always think about that with player development. I, I just um, I refuse to believe players can't get better throughout their whole career. As their bodies change, you have to pivot, for sure. But um, Malik was 22 after three seasons. Like, why are we so convinced this is who he is? So I'm so happy to see. I don't know Malik. I'm so happy he's having success in Sacramento. Um, we have to stop branding guys with a permanent ink and use pencil. David, you talk about this all the time. Um... And it's something I think about often, too. I mean, we talked about him before, uh, with Memphis, Sharon Jackson Jr., right? We thought, you know, Tim Duncan 2.0. Guys were, you know, putting over after two, three years. This guy's never going to be. He's, you know how old he is now? He's 23 now. He's younger than John Morant by like a couple months. Who is? 
Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. Well, right. It He's takes, just getting started. Just getting yeah. started. Yeah. It's like when I hear people say, oh, the drafts, they're coming up in June. Only two players. It's like, how do you possibly know that? How do you know there's only two players in this draft? In, in 1990, um, I got married, okay? Maybe maybe this happened a year after we got married, whatever. My wife was working her way up in a in a a private company, a, a private family that uh, that owned like 18 Midas franchises in Florida. It really was a venture capital firm that were investing in Midas franchises. And then they kind of started running them. And she was director of HR. But she wasn't at that point yet. She moved her way up. And they had a, they had a, a, a big meeting for all the uh, managers of these places mm-hmm. and all the executives at a beach place near where we lived. And so, of course, we went. And I got to meet her, the owners of the company for the first time, young, a relatively young family. It was, a, it was a father who was giving it to his children who were in their 30s at this point, his two sons. And I spent some time with them hanging out, never thought twice about them. 26 years old, Gerard, right? <laughs> 27 years old, maybe. And I'm a teacher and a coach, whatever, and right. barely making any money. And, and the owner said to her after the meeting, she told me this after the weekend, they said, you know, he's, he's a sharp guy. He's going to do well. And she said, like, really? Like she loved me for me. She never thought we'd have any money or anything or real success. She was in love with me and she was not a shallow person. And that mattered most to her. I, I, she never envisioned we would live in a nice house and all of that. We live in a two bedroom apartment. (laughs) We had a dog and two bedroom house. That's all we had. Two bedroom apartment, like 500 bucks a month. Uh, I worked right. And she gave me a lot of love and I got some ambition and whatever happened, happened. Why would players be any different, Gerard? (laughs) Like why would we ever think they'd be different? No, no, we got to love them. We have to teach them and guide them. And we have to hold them accountable when they fuck up, which I don't think coaches do a very good job of. They just sit you. That isn't the answer, as you know. You got to play them. That's the oxygen. And let them work out the mistakes they made. You do that for your other players that were high draft picks and all that. We got to give all these guys a chance to fail over and over. And so to me, Malik is one example of a guy that, I mean, I hope, I hope Sacramento wins a playoff series for oh, the Sacramento so City, fun. but I also Malik hits the game winner in one of those games, and Ooh. and the, the joy he'll have of after again I've never met him, no clue what he's like. I like the way he plays. I like that he's still growing as a player. Uh, better passing this year, better defense. Those things don't always improve. I also like the fact that Mike Brown has built a system mm-hmm. that allowed him to be more than just a shooter scorer, uh, and uh, that's a message to all coaches: build a system to your roster. Don't try to fit your roster into your system. We say it all the time, right? The pragmatic coaches tend to do better, right? Who aren't wedded. This is how we have to play. You have basketball philosophies that you generally believe in ethos. Yeah. But shit, I'm going to work around whatever my players do best. Your job as a coach is to put them in the best position to succeed so that we can succeed as a whole. That requires work, right? Like you got to work to do that. Work, study, try, pivot. Yeah, uh, to try things out, I you have to have that mentality. Instead of, we get just the opposite of most of these teams. Same with the NFL; they're all so afraid of innovation. They get their yeah. ass kicked by the innovators. Um, the the player I was thinking of before when you you had mentioned, um, you know, Matherin not on your MV, your rookie of the yeah. year ballot. Well, I I have a hard time picking a guy who's not the best rookie best rookie on his team. Well, that's exactly where I was going. If oh. you had a full ballot, where would Andrew Nemhart be on your rookie oh. of the year? Ballot? He wouldn't. He wouldn't be top three. I, I feel like, and I know you agree with him. Paolo's is the rookie oh. of the year. Now, hold easy. on. Now, I wouldn't say easy. Okay, we got eight more games left. Jalen <laughs> Williams right. is coming. Is 
And if they make the playoffs, right. or, I, we're going to make the play-in right. anyway. So. I, I would give Paolo the edge for sure. Um, I mean, in this month, Paolo's averaging 20, I don't know how many rebounds, 20 points, four plus assists, maybe seven rebounds, I think seven. Like, he's killing it. And, it's, and, so the, good. and the Magic are fine. They're yep. not terrible. Nope. They're not an easy win every night. Um, Jalen Williams really coming on. Uh, I, I, I think I have him at two, and I have Kessler at three, and nobody else would get a vote, unless you have to pick four and five. Mm-hmm. But for all NBA, I mean, Andrew Nemhard last night, I was or watching. All, all, all rookie teams, you mean? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. All rookie NBA mm-hmm. for the NBA. Uh, I was watching the Raptors first Pacers last night, and he had 25 and 10 and played amazing defense on Siakam, who in the fourth quarter killed the Pacers, but he wasn't guarding but a couple of times because they would switch around. Um, yeah, they all switch. Uh, he beat the Bucks a week ago with like 28 and, 10, and 7. He beat the Warriors in San Francisco back when it was hard to beat. Well, Golden State still was good at home yep. in San Francisco. The guys had like, I think, 20 points three of the last four games with Tyrese out. And by the way, he started... He started a bunch of games, and he's playing out of position except when Therese is out. If Tyrese hadn't been out all had been out all season, Andrew might be a rookie of the year. He's so Gonzaga he, he, he leads all rookies with twenty points, ten assist games by far. He can really play, and he's the best. He and Dyson Daniels are the best perimeter defenders in the class by far. Kessler is the best defender overall. He's one of the best defenders in the league. Yeah, that that's why when I look at the Minnesota trade, they got to be kicking mm. themselves. Like, man, we. We got to draft to that guy instead. <laughs> he was a late first round pick. Mm-hmm. Utah has got to be laughing at that. But yeah, uh, we, I only say this. I know Andrew. Um, mm-hmm. I met him this summer when he's doing his pre-draft training. I, the guy that did the training I mentored. Um, uh, just to, Indiana's got something going on, guys. They do. And I don't, do. I don't love Ben Matherin. And heavens, he can really score. Really score. Very limited beyond that. And I don't know that. He'll he'll continue to grow as a scorer the way Tyreek Evans never grew as a scorer. Ben's a better shooter than Tyreek was, but he's not a great shooter. He had some good moments this year, good months even. But um, Tyrese is 23, Nemar's yeah. 23, Turner just on an extension. They could trade Turner and get something. Uh, uh, people say OG, I don't know if he wants to come there where he played in Indiana. Ooh. Toronto might do some things to shake up a team that doesn't make do anything this right. year again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they got three first round picks this year. Indiana, the Indiana, yeah. Indiana's Nesmith has become. I didn't like him in Boston. I like him in Indiana. He knows his role. Jalen Smith is a serviceable backup. They, they, uh, TJ McConnell's having a great season. He can finally shoot, and if he could shoot all his career, he'd be a starter somewhere. They just Indiana's. You know, we're forgetting about them. They probably don't make the play, and maybe they do, but they've got a lot of interesting young pieces. Rick Carlisle's got to be thrilled. Well, and speaking of Carlisle, I mean, you know, he's a lot like a lot of these, you know, coaches who really, you know, with young guys, they get they get that trigger finger like, ugh. but so for Andrew to earn that confidence from Rick as a young player in this league, you know, he's doing some obviously some right things, right? Well, he, it's his defense more than anything. And also, uh, Rick did a good job of, of letting Ben come off the bench. Ben as a starter would be nearly as good, especially because the other guys are better players, too. But on the second unit, he, he, he's one of the top bench scorers in the league mm-hmm. as a rookie that's unheard of. And it's one reason why they're, they're not as good is they've got two rookies playing a lot. But um, I think it was good for Ben, who, who would not do as well against starters, in my opinion, uh, nor would he have as many opportunities. So mm-hmm. Rick, Rick handled this young team very well. And because of it, they're, to me, they're the OKC. 
They're the next OKC. Mm-hmm. They, they, they got to get lucky this year in the draft a little bit. But even without it, they've got an all-NBA level player now in Tyrese. I happen to think Nemhard has a chance to be very similar to that level, more of a Drew Holiday type because of a defensive metrics and all-NBA level defensive player. Wow. Miles Turner is a good, big, a legit good. five. Yeah, and Buddy Hill's a great shooter. Mm-hmm. They, they, he's in a contract year. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, we, I just think they've got some interesting things going on. We, we shouldn't forget them for next year. They sure do. Um, you know, speaking of like teams coming up and getting lucky in the draft, Sweet 16 tips off tonight. Um, you know, this is now the round where performances are really going to stand out. And whomever does, you know, individually, that's going to be a name you hear, especially if, if they're draft eligible or whatever. It's going to really cause people to be like, oh, like I always think back to Derek Williams, like beating Duke and scoring and whatever he did in, the, in that game. It didn't quite work out in the NBA for him, but you know, you, you you do a big time performance against one of these blue bud schools on this stage, it tends to push your your, your draft stock up up a bit. Um, but coach, what are you hearing, seeing about Sweet Sixteen, about players getting ready to declare for the NBA draft? Well, I'll tell you one anecdote, and I can say his name, uh, the player's name, because he, the player's not involved in this at all. Um, I watched Baylor play Creighton. Last week, I watched. I, I watched. I watched all those games on Sunday. I watched Alabama play. See Brandon Miller. I'll be writing about it soon enough. But Baylor's got a couple guys I like. One in particular is a senior that um, I wanted to see. I think I, they have a kid named Adam Flagler. I think he's the best shoe in the drafts. They're out, so it doesn't matter. Um, but Andrew Nemar's brother Ryan scored thirty, dominated the game with with three or four NBA. Play- Creighton's got three or four NBA prospects, according to people. I don't really follow it closely, and so all I will say is this. Um, an agent I spoke to after the game, after all the games we're going through, he's interested in who's going to get drafted where, and I have no clue. I just haven't paid attention yet. But he said to me, uh, uh, I said, well, listen, when a kid like Nemhard scores 30 in a big game against a loaded team and his brother is doing well in the NBA, like, like he, he probably is going to be in the draft. And the agent said, you think he's ready? And I, I right. said, like, who, who gives a fuck? Like, what is that through anything? I was so surprised. He laughed. He's like, you're right. Um, I said, when do we draft for readiness? Why would we even do that? Do you think lawyers care when they when they draft you out of law school that you're <laughs> ready to win a case? No. They, they have no idea how to practice law. They know how to get through law school and pass the bar exam. Does, right. Maybe. Doesn't mean they know how to practice law. In fact, they don't. Why would the NBA be any different? Come on. It took to get to Kevin Durant in year three. Was a, was a net negative plus minus. In year three, after having, I thought, the best college season of all time. Have we ever, maybe Zion was, passed him. He was so good. He was so good. It was a joke. Much. And three more years later, he still was bad. for The Sonics <laughs> slash Thunder were better when he was on the bench. So what are, we, what, what are we talking about here? The question is always, listeners who are following and not sick of this, it's always, is the NBA ready for you? And in the case of Ryan Nembard, I have no clue. That I don't know. But I know this. The fact that he is only a sophomore shouldn't mean a damn thing. That, that, none of that matters. The NBA has to have chewed on you enough, right? Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo was clearly a top three. I haven't looked at that draft, but I'm mm. sure he was top three, top two, top one. Mm-hmm. He went 15. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because they weren't ready. The NBA yep. wasn't ready for him. Didn't matter if he was ready for the league or not, which he wasn't. Who cares? <laughs> they have to have seen you enough and chewed on you, and watched your tape, and talked to everyone, done their investigations. And so the, the, the guy in the NCAA tournament that's never been noticed before, 
and suddenly plays great, that guy shouldn't come out. But in the case, for example, of Orion Emhard, who played at Montverde with Scotty Barnes and Kate Cunningham and Moses Moody, as I said to this agent, just remember, because I, I, the Montverde guys are 90 minutes from me. When yeah. that dude woke up at, at 10 o'clock in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, he was 15, he rolled out of bed and played hoops with Scotty Barnes and Moses Moody <laughs> and Kate Cunningham, whoever else was there, Holland Beverly, who's a good yeah. player from Miami, who's still playing right now. Like the average kid at 15 went to school and then played pickup with a bunch of terrible players. Yeah, That dude, and by the way, his older brother growing up, his whole life is in the NBA as a starter. Yeah. So if anyone's ready, it's the guy that's that only known ready. NBA players, but it doesn't even matter. So <laughs> the NBA should be ready for these kinds of guys. I guess Creighton's kind of an upstart. Maybe they're a six seed. I'm not really sure. Five or six seed. But the point is, like FAU's got some really good players. Yep. But no NBA guys have been watching them until very lately. So probably, unless they're seniors, they're going to have to wait. I, I know FAU's coach really well, Dusty May. Great guy. I'm really rooting for him. Um, I'm gonna, I, to, I, I thought I had date night tonight with my wife. No <laughs> NBA games on the schedule for me tonight. And then I looked. I'm like, oh, honey, I'll take care of you with some good food. But I, I have a bunch of guys. I have to watch college. <laughs> Last two nights. I don't even care about the Final Four as much as right. I do the Sweet 16. Because yeah, there'll be yeah. a bunch of games the next two nights still. So I'll watch. For sure. Um, I was looking back at Giannis's draft class. Yeah. Who he I was taking? He was taking 15th. Rudy Gobert was taking 27th. Yeah. By far. I mean, swing and a miss. CJ McCollum's was in that draft. Victor Oladipo, so good players in that draft. Yeah. Um, KCP, but Rudy and Giannis by far the yeah. best two taken in that draft. Right. And 15th and 27th. Right. Anthony Bennett taking first. In wow, that. that was the Anthony Bennett draft. Who went yeah. second? Victor Oladipo. Yeah, I mean, it's not even close. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like they weren't ready for him. They just Giannis. If he, if Giannis was playing at Kansas, he's number one for sure, for sure. Because you're not even if he scored six points a game or eight points a game, whatever. In which he wouldn't. He would score more than that, I'm sure. Um, yeah, the NBA has got to be ready for you, not the other way around. Yeah, no, it, it, it's now, so now, wild. Now, if you mentally, emotionally can't handle well, being yes. on your own, that's very different. different I'm just saying, yeah. as a basketball player, it does matter if you're ready to help a team or not. Um. You know, uh, we, we had a conversation off air, and this is kind of all related because we're talking about young players coming into the league, et cetera. Um, you know, as you guys know, we follow the NBA here, but I keep my eyes open on, on other things happening around all levels of basketball. The Gatorade National Player of the Year, uh, boys basketball, yeah. is Cameron Boozer. And last name may sound familiar to you because his father is Carlos Boozer. Um, a sophomore, 6'9", being named best player in the country by a lot of these draft sites and metrics there's like regardless of class sophomore junior senior they're like he is the best basketball prospect in the country um and when you win that award as a sophomore that's a big deal by the way imani bates the only other sophomore that won that award uh lebron james won it twice junior year and senior year i mean this is but not as a sophomore not as a sophomore one is junior right junior senior look it doesn't mean because you win it you're gonna be guaranteed doesn't mean anything but it is a sign that says you are starting to show some things that suggest you could be very good. And I thought it was very interesting to see, you know, a young kid like that who just won his second back-to-back state title with his twin brother, Caden. Um, pretty impressive. Pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, I've heard. I told you I've, I've never seen mm-hmm. him. I've heard, like, really special things about him. And I was in, uh, I was in this, a city yesterday, Lakeland, Florida, where the state tournament is held every year. It's like an hour from my house. And a lovely little community. And, um, and I was talking to the waiter at lunch that I had. 
And he said, man, there were a lot of Miami fans here a couple weeks ago for the final court. <laughs> Miami uh, uh, is loaded with talent, really. Yeah. I always felt it was one of the best metros in the country. When I used to travel a lot, D.C. is great. New York mm-hmm. is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Chicago is great. L.A. is great. Miami's right there with them and tough as nail players. Dade, Dade County, right? So that that county in particular, yeah. like you feel like really, a lot of really, really good. Yeah. And I guess there got to be some some the, the greater L.A., you know, the Los Angeles Metro County, right? Oh, in, for in sure. L- L.A. I always felt the Miami guys, I just thought had an edge to them. I'm mm-hmm. biased as a Floridian, but my parents are from Miami, too. I just always thought they had a more of an edge. They really, they really, they really do, as DC guys do. Mm-hmm. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't ever, I've never been a big fan of the New York playground high school kids. Not playground. The playgrounds are amazing. I've always thought there was just too much hype, mm-hmm. which is unfair mm-hmm. for the player. It's not the player's well, it, fault. I don't, I don't it, hold it, the player it, at fault for that. It's living off of past success, right? Yeah. Less off of current, right? Because there right. was a stretch where the, the I mean, Mar- guards Marbury is the greatest point high school guard I've ever seen. So good. Yeah. It was so Mr. good. Mr. Fundamental, physical as hell. Just the best I've ever seen. I coached, I coached against him. I beat him once. I mean, and then he beat Kenny, my ass once. Kenny Anderson was. Yeah. Incredible. I had Kenny. I had Kenny after. Kenny was already a later pro when I had him in my gym. Uh, where is Steve Francis from? Want to say Houston, maybe Texas? I don't know. I think is he not is he New from, York? Is he from Maryland? Let me look. Look like Steve Francis. Yeah, right he now. might be Maryland. You're right because he went. I know to he Maryland. went to. I know he went to college at Maryland. Yeah. But because uh, that dude was unbelievable when I had him. Yep, he was Tacoma Park, Silver Spring. Yep. Yeah, what? Yep. A, yep. It was yeah. Silver Springs. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, the big cities. The big cities always have great players. Uh, so do rural areas. I've already. I've mm-hmm. always argued on behalf of rural players too. In the case of Boozer. It helps that daddy was such a good player. Well, Olympian, that that national champion at Duke. Went to Duke. Yeah, yeah. that helps. The second round pick, <laughs> mind-bogglingly. I have no idea what happened there. But um, he should have been a first-round pick, clearly. But uh, And I've heard he's a great kid, too. I, that's what I've heard. Like, really, really good young man. You know, a lot of these NBA players have terrific sons. And daughters, I'm sure. I just don't see the daughters play. Uh, Bronny James, mm-hmm. I love watching him play. Plays the right way. Uh, I, I was talking to Corey Brewer, who has a son um, who plays a lot of uh, NBA. He's young, a lot of uh, NBA players in that community and their mm-hmm. sons. And he's like, it's great. You know, the dads all know they're not stupid, mm-hmm. crazy, because this right. AU can be crazy with parents. Oh, please. <laughs> and most of the dads handle it pretty well. But they play in the NBA. They're not trying to make a spectacle of things and embarrass their kids. And, and before we get to our, our, our top five, um, who, you know, we were talking to you like, so these, these young kids, right? A kid like Cameron Boozer winning back-to-back state titles. And I asked you offline, and I think it's a, a good combo for our listeners to yeah. hear. How important is these kids winning when they're young matter to their overall development later on, you know, as, as they get to be potentially pros or college players? Yeah, I mean, to me, when I'm scouting, I'm evaluating process. What, what Are you playing winning basketball? I can't hold it against you if your teammates are, if your coach sucks. Are you, <laughs> are you making winning plays? Are you unafraid to get your face beat in? Um, I watched a, a teenage NBA player the other night played against Jonas Valanciunas, who is a gigantic man. Huge. And this teenager fought him hard. And I thought, okay, that's a winner. Like, he is unafraid. And so I look for that for high school players and projecting at college players going up. Uh, are they making we plays, not me plays? That, you know, I told you with Scotty Barnes a year ago. Um, uh, I, I look at there's a – yeah, whatever. I just – I think that it matters. Um, but if they don't make winning plays – you have to consider, are they getting coached right? If the coach is good and the player is just really selfish, that to me is a red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's 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 worth paying attention, right? Because, I mean, this is, this I is how 
you try to figure out, you know, yeah. and as you always say, players can mature and get better. You can teach them how to make winning plays, right? This is where it's on the on the coaching, but also on the player to be receptive and willing to get coached, right? For sure. And if they're not, well, it is what it is. All right, top five. I teased it. Let's go. Let's start with your 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 fifth place line. Who's on it? Uh, the Nuggets just eked in at five over okay. Sacramento. So because they dropped a third and because I'm crazy, Sacramento bumped out. They're on the sixth line for me. Me so too. The five, the five line is Cavaliers and the Grizzlies. Look, man, back to being two games up on the Kings for the number two seed. John Morant coming back now. We already talked about Jaron Jackson Jr. Listen, this team's good. They're good. So I have the Cavs at four. No, I got the Nuggets at four because they're. I figured you, know, you had to because there's, no there's no way you're putting a two seed over a one. No, seed. Yeah. still help. Still lost Denver and lost ten straight. They've won two in a row. Yeah. So and then I've got um, Boston, Philly, Milwaukee. Same as last week. Same. Yeah. Same. Yeah. That's that's that's, that's the pecking order right now. That's yeah. That's where it is. Boston had a big win. I think last night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, they're, they're my three favorite teams still. Um, this quick before we go, I don't know if you saw this, um, Logan Murdoch did a profile on, or a sit down with, um, Jalen Brown of the Celtics, um, on the ringer and some interesting quotes came out of that, um, from, from Jalen Brown. I mean, I don't think anything to be like super, you know, alarming about, but Jalen's very like direct and honest in his, when you ask him questions and people ask him about his long-term future in, in Boston. He's like, look, as long as they want me here, I'll be here, but we, we got to see how, how things develop. And the reality of it is, is that these guys are all human. And Jalen knows his name was brought up in trade requests multiple times. All right. Like when the Kevin Durant was asking out of Brooklyn, his name was the first name at the top of the list. Right. He knows that. And he said it in the interview, Katie and Jason were working out together this summer. They're boys. I know that. So I got Brad and Jason on the phone being like, so what's good? Am I staying here? Like, what's the deal? And there is a, listen, you know where you stand when a guy calls you up asking like that, right? He's being very, let's be direct and upfront. You want me here or not, right? Brad said, no, you're here. It's all good. But I, I appreciated that from him just being like, look, as long as the team is upfront and they want me, cool. If any of that changes, I'm going to do what's necessary for me to get in the best possible situation. I, I thought that was, that was awesome. pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And he's, and he's, a, he's a great player. I love so him. I love him. He, he really is. And look. I think, of course, we talked about the pickup of Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon, how important that is. We know about Tatum. To me, NBA Finals. If yes. he is the second best player on that team. Jalen, and if, even, if Jalen is? Yes. And, or even if he's sometimes better than Tatum on certain nights, then they're winning the NBA championship. Right. Because he's that good. So we'll see. All right, guys. Enjoy the weekend. We will see you next week. Take care.